Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Howdy, howdy, praise be to God, it's good to be here. Today is Thursday, February 2nd, 2023. No, it's not. It's Friday, February 3rd, 2023. There we go. My brain is all over the place. It is Friday, February 3rd, 2023. It's the Feast of St. Blaise, Bishop and Martyr. St. Blaise, who had studied philosophy in his youth, was a doctor in Sebastian, Armenia, the city of his birth, who exercised his art with miraculous ability, goodwill, and piety. When the bishop of the city died, he was chosen to succeed him with the acclamation of all the people. His holiness was manifest through many miracles. From all around, people came to him to find cures for their spirit and their body. Even wild animals came in herds to receive his blessing. And in 316, the emperor Licentius gave order to kill the Christians. At this time, Blaze was arrested. As he was being led to jail, a mother set her only son choking to death of a fishbone at his feet, and the child was cured straight away. And Blaise refused to renounce his faith, and he was beat with a stick, his flesh ripped with iron combs, and beheaded. St. Blaise, pray for us. That's pretty awesome. So are you going to go get your St. Blaise blessings? I, for one, probably will not because I found out that uh, my church is having it at 7.30 a.m., so I'll be here. Um, So that's unfortunate. But maybe I'll find a church that does doing it at noon or evening and go there instead. But we'll see. We'll see. Let me know. If you uh, are watching online, you uh, can let me know where you're going to go for your throat blessing. Right? Wow, Adrian. That, you're not even going to try? You're not even going to try to bilocate? I mean, come on, man. I know. Slacking. Slacking. I need to I need to work on my uh, bilocation game. Uh, that's what I've been told. <laughs> a bilocation game is, is very lacking these days. Uh, I went to Candlemas last night. Uh, did you were able to make it, Rudy? No, I wish I did, but no. Uh, it it started at bedtime for us, so there's no way. <laughs> yeah, I was very tired. I I went in, and you know, to be completely honest, I was falling asleep. The Father gave a great sermon; it was excellent. But I was falling asleep, and I had the candle in my hand, Ooh. and it was uh, it was lit, right? Risky. So you you have the candle lit in the church, and. I was just nodding off, and I realized that my face, you know how when you nod off, you start leaning forward? Oh, I almost like fell into the flame, so I woke up and then just blew out the candle. I was like, I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm going to oh, set man. the church on fire. <laughs> uh, so, But the, the bad news is, so I got some bad news for everybody. Ooh. We are now out of the Christmas season. Sad. Very Put away sad. the jingle bells. Put away the jingle bells. No more Christmas music. I know y'all are still listening to it. Got to put up that Christmas tree. All those things have to go away. Until next year, nativity scene, box it up, you can bring it out on Christmas Day next year. Sorry, guys. But don't worry. We still have a lot of celebrating to do. Today, the Feast of St. Blaise is another great day to celebrate, another day of blessings of candles, another day of blessings of throats. It's a good feast to celebrate, so make sure if you're able to make it to a throat blessing today. It'd be really good. Uh, at 15 past the hour, we're going to be talking about Donald Trump's recent comments on transgenderism. It's hopefully it's all good news, and we'll find out at 15 past the hour. At 30 past the hour, we have Father Carney on to discuss how to do apologetics like St. Francis de Sales. We're going to discuss this book, The Catholic Controversy. It's an excellent book, and uh, I'm really glad. They're, the reason why we're doing this interview is because Tan is republishing these books, but with good binding. 
because tan books, I'm telling you, they put out great books. However, their books in the past are just the worst possible binding ever. It just falls apart as you're trying to read it. So they <laughs> published it with good binding. So we're talking about it's a good opportunity to talk about the uh, Catholic Controversy. Excellent book. And in the next hour, Dave Palmer is going to be joining us to talk about the six most controversial teachings of St. Thomas Aquinas. Plus, we have our Fear and Trembling game show. So you're in a, we have a lot to cover. But uh, yeah, Rudy, as a bookbinder, how do you feel about Tan Books' as binding? Um, I've never had trouble with tan books. Maybe the problem is you. No, nah, man. No, nah, man. This is a well-known fact. Look at this binding right here. Look at this. This is horrible. And if you open it, it just like if you open it too much, it's just going to crack in half. Yeah. It's terrible. And that's there's how a, all their books were in the past. There's a way to do it so that it doesn't happen that way. But it takes a long time. And you got to care about the book enough to do it. Yeah. The, the thing that Tan was doing at the time was... They were trying to get all these old books put out, but for as cheap way as possible. So they're selling the books for really, really dirt cheap, oh, so yeah. everybody could get them. So it under I understood why they were doing it and how it got done, and I appreciate these books getting out because otherwise these books just wouldn't exist. But this was their books in 1989. They're finally making a new edition where it has good binding, and I'm so excited. I need to buy it because I was trying to read it, preparing for today. And I was like, oh, I feel like this book's going to fall apart in my hands. <laughs> but anyway, let's jump into it. Well, let's begin with prayer. As always, we'll pray for your intentions. Let's pray for the country. And let's pray that we have a spirit of Francis de Sales today in St. Blaise. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thank you for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Today's Friday. We made it, but at what cost? It's February the 3rd. I'm Rudy Carlos with your latest breaking news and stories. The Epic Times reports, Legislator calls U.S. farm labor shortage a massive crisis that will have serious economic consequences. There simply aren't enough hands on deck to plant, harvest, and process America's crops. The Economics Research Department of the United States Department of Agriculture has already predicted a lower crop yield for 2023. Consequently, the agency expects agriculture exports for the fiscal year of 2023 to drop by $3.5 billion. Nearly half of U.S. farm labor comes from illegal immigrants. At face value, the H-2A program, which is a visa program, allows farmers to meet who meet specific qualifications to import seasonal non-immigrant foreign workers to fill production gaps when American labor is unavailable. While this helps fill shortage gaps, uh, critics say it offers a foot, uh, a foot in the door to foreigners with intentions of overstaying their temporary visas. Ground News reports Amazon is poised to post the slowest sales growth in decades. Amazon beat revenue expectations for its fourth quarter as the company continues to navigate various headwinds. The Seattle tech giant reported revenue of $149.2 billion, up 9% year-over-year, topping both analysts' expectations and the company's own guidance. But rising costs are cutting into Amazon profits, which fell 98% from the year from a year ago uh, from $278 million. And Ground News reports... 
Hunter Biden seeks federal probe of Trump allies over laptop. A lawyer for President Joe Biden's son, Hunter, asked the Justice Department to investigate close allies of uh, former President Donald Trump and others who accessed and disseminated uh, personal data from a laptop that a computer repair shop owner says was dropped off at his Delaware store in 2019 by Hunter. Breitbart also reports Pentagon tracking Chinese spy balloon over the U.S. Maybe uh, it's not a balloon. Maybe it's a UFO like uh, in 1947 or yeah, I think that's when Roswell was. Pentagon said on Thursday it was tracking a Chinese spy balloon flying high over the United States that appeared to be surveying highly sensitive nuclear weapon sites. The balloon entered U.S. airspace a couple days ago, an official said, adding that U.S. intelligence had been tracking it well before that. Fighter jets were flown to examine the balloon while it was above Montana as discussions on how to proceed took place. So those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The Gospel of the Day is Mark chapter 6, verses 14 through 29. Then as his name grew better known, King Herod came to hear of it. It is John the Baptist, he said, risen from the dead, and that is why those powers are active in him. Others were saying it is Elias, and others it is a prophet like one of the old prophets. But when Herod was told it, he declared, He has risen from the dead, John the Baptist, whom I beheaded. Herod himself had sent and arrested John and put him in prison in chains for love of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. Because John had told Herod, it is wrong for thee to take thy brother's wife. Herodias was always plotting against him and would willingly have murdered him, but could not. Because Herod was afraid of John, recognizing him for an upright and holy man, so he kept him carefully and followed his advice in many things and was glad to listen to him. And now came a fitting occasion upon which Herod gave a birthday feast to his lords and officers and to the chief men of Galilee. Herodias' own daughter came in and danced and gave such pleasure to Herod and his guests that the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever thou wilt and thou shalt have it. He even bound himself by an oath, I will grant whatever request thou makest, though it were half of my kingdom. And thereupon she went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? And she answered, the head of John the Baptist. With that, she hastened into the king's presence and made her request. My will is, she said, that thou shouldest give me the head of John the Baptist. Give it me now on a dish. And the king was full of remorse, but out of respect for his oath and those to which he sat with him at table, he would not disappoint her. So he sent one of his guards and ordered that the head should be brought on a dish. The soldier cut off his head in the prison and brought it on a dish and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. When John's disciple heard of it, they came and carried off his body and laid it in the tomb. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So Cornelius Alapide said, This Herod was not Herod the Great who slew the infants of Bethlehem, but it was his son who arrayed Christ with a white robe and mocked him. It is he who beheaded John the Baptist. Well, at least he wasn't the one who killed the babies, I guess. We will say Herod Antipas was only a patriarch, or so says Matthew. Why then does Mark call him a king? I reply, he calls him a king because he was a chief potentate in his tetrarchy, equal to a king in his kingdom. Wherefore, he assumes the name of a king and was given him by others. That's an important note because the difference in empires, you have an emperor, and then within that empire, you had kings that were in charge of different nations. They were called different names like tetrarchs, princes, things like that. But they're essentially kings. Kind of like your, if America was a, a kingdom, a empire, the, uh, the president would be, be the emperor and the governor of every state would be a king. 
Uh, verse 22, commenting on that, Cornelius Alapide says, And when the daughter of the same Herodias had come in and danced and pleased Herod, the female dancers were formally introduced into their feast by the Jews out of luxurious appearance uh, appears from Josephus. Basically, he's saying here that, according to Josephus, it was actually pretty common then for them to start having dancing and feast, uh, the Jews, to start doing that during that time period. That dancing weakens or destroys the strength or vitality of even a manly man, says Cornelius Lapide. Truly, says Ecclesiasticus, use not much the company of a female dancer, nor listen to her, lest perchance thou perish through her influence." The shameless woman brought up a shameless daughter, teaching her to dance instead of to be modest. Nor was Herod less to be blamed for allowing a woman to make a theater of his palace hall. St. Chrysostom in Euthymius says that think that Herod was really sorry in the meaning of St. Matthew and Mark. For though he wished John to die, yet he was sorry for his cruel and shameful death, that he should have been killed by so great a prophet for the gratification of a dancing girl. For his oath's sake, Herod makes a pretext of his oath. For he knew that in such a case, that is, in such an in iniquitous and sacrilegious a request of the girl, it was not binding. However, he thought it a king's part not to retract before the nobles. The word of the king is the king, thus the worldlings act. When St. Augustine says, a girl dances and a mother rages, and there is a rash swearing in the midst of luxurious feast and an impious fulfillment of what was sworn. For as St. Isidore says, faith ought to be broken in wicked promises. That is an impious promise which is fulfilled by a crime. And finally, Cornelius Lapidus says, and brought his head in a dish and gave it to the damsel, and the damsel gave it to her mother. Herod the latter cries, Behold his eyes, even in death, the witness of thy cruelty. He turns them away from the sight of the, thy dainties. His eyes are closed, not so much by the constraint of death as by the horror at thy luxury. That lifeless golden mouth whose sentence thou couldst not endure is silent, and yet it is dreaded. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, two things to, that I want you to take away from this is one is that an oath that binds you to commit sin is no oath at all. And you are not only allowed to break that oath, you are obliged to break that oath. So if he said, I promise you anything, it is implied implicitly that it's anything but sin. And the last thing I want you to meditate upon today is the head of our of St. John the Baptist. That his eyes were closed. The head of John the Baptist, his eyes were closed. But it was not closed because of death. Because he was afraid out of, out of like he was scared and didn't want to die. Instead, his eyes were closed because he did not want to see the immorality in the court of Herod. Do you keep custody of the eyes? Think about that today. Up next, Donald Trump on transgenderism? Hey, Sita, how do you ask, do you love Catholic radio in German? Liebst du das katholische Radio? How about support it by purchasing car raffle tickets for a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250? Unterstütze es mit dem Kauf eines Tickets, mit dem du ein 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250 gewinnen kannst. Hmm, okay. How about get yours at grnonline.com forward slash raffle? Kauf eins auf grnonline.com forward slash raffle. Thank you. I needed that for a PSA. Cool. When are you recording it? Right now. Oh, danke. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your church most likely has a praise and worship time. Would you be surprised to know that the songs you sing might have nothing to do with worship? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history. Praise and worship was not a term used until the mid-60s when the Jesus people music started becoming more complex and contemporary. By the late 70s, praise and worship had become an entire entity of its own. Secondly, what is worship? It's a sacrifice. It's not singing a soft, flowy song with hands raised. The New Testament writers understood that worship was a sacrifice, that it occurred on an altar, which was and is known as a place of slaughter. Thirdly, the altar is for you. Jesus, in the holy sacrifices of the Mass, invites you to participate in His timeless sacrifice of love that truly occurs on the altar. No nightclub effects, no entertainment, no pumped-up emotion. Oh, and please don't register for the next Praise and Worship Global Seminar. Why? Because you can't teach praise and it won't include worship. Yikes! We are back. Welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. I'm so glad you're joining us today. What a blessing it is. And in the uh, at 30 past the hour, Father Carney is going to be on with us to talk about St. Francis de Sales and the Catholic controversy specifically, but also just a couple other books. His most famous book is probably The Introduction to the Devout Life. And before I forget, I almost forgot. In the last hour, I did forget. If you want to win your 2023 Mercedes, is it is it that how you pronounce it? Mercedes? I had my mom was like calling me and like yelling at me. It was like you're pronouncing it wrong. It's not Mercedes. It's Mercedes. Mercedes Benz. So if you want your Mercedes Benz, not a Mercedes Benz. I guess that's the uh, the Chinese version of it. The Mercedes Benz uh, CLA 250. We can get a ticket to a win by going to grnonline.com. It's $25 a ticket or 5 for $100. And, or you can find out who your local general manager is if you don't already know and contact him directly, buy tickets from him directly, and go pick up some to sell. If you want to support Catholic Radio, this is a great opportunity to do so. Okay, let's jump into the story. And also, just real quickly, the story that Rudy reported on with the, the weather balloon of uh, the Chinese spying on us. That's kind of concerning, to be honest. I don't have much to say about it other than that, but that's pretty concerning. Okay, so yesterday it was uh, making the news rounds that Donald Trump had made some remarks. He was talking about transgenderism, and immediately I heard this, and I was concerned because I was thinking, well, Donald Trump kind of has a bad track record on this. He has the, the drags for Trump, the LGBTs for Trump, gays for Trump, and I was like, oh, no, what is what is he going to say? And so I was a little worried. And before I give my analysis, I'll let you determine what you think about it. So I'm going to play the whole clip for you. Of our youth. On day one, I will revoke Joe Biden's cruel policies on so-called gender-affirming care. Ridiculous. A process that includes giving kids puberty blockers, mutating their physical appearance, and ultimately performing surgery on minor children. Can you believe this? I will sign a new executive order instructing every federal agency to cease all programs that promote the concept of sex and gender transition at any age. I will then ask Congress to permanently stop federal taxpayer dollars from being used to promote or pay for these procedures and pass a law prohibiting child sexual mutilation in all 50 states. It'll go very quickly. 
I will declare that any hospital or health care provider that participates in the chemical or physical mutilation of minor youth will no longer meet federal health and safety standards for Medicaid and Medicare and will be terminated from the program immediately. Furthermore, I will support the creation of a private right of action for victims to sue doctors who have unforgivably performed these procedures on minor children. The Department of Justice will investigate Big Pharma and the big hospital networks to determine whether they have deliberately covered up horrific long-term side effects of sex transitions in order to get rich at the expense of vulnerable patients, in this case, very vulnerable. We will also investigate whether Big Pharma or others have illegally marketed hormones and puberty blockers, which are in no way licensed or approved for this use. My Department of Education will inform states and school districts that if any teacher or school official suggests to a child that they could be trapped in the wrong body, they will be faced with severe consequences, including potential civil rights violations for sex discrimination. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Rudy, for sharing that. And, you know, this is the I was really surprised by this. I was actually not expecting uh, Donald Trump's remarks to be this good. I was actually very surprised. I was happily surprised by this. In fact, I, I was thinking, well, if if this is the, the platform Trump is going to be running on, I am 100 percent in on this because I think that this is a, a big problem in the in the world today that the, the transgender movement and the, the good thing about Trump is that he really did keep his promises. Everything he said he was going to do, he did it. At least he attempted to do it. And sometimes he got blocked from doing it. And whether or not you agree with what, or what he wanted to do or not is a different question. But he did, in fact, attempt to keep all his promises. In fact, I believe someone did a, uh, a statistics report on it and said that out of all the U.S. presidents of the modern times, he kept most of, uh, more promises than any other president. And so if he's promising that he's going to do this, we have a reason to believe that he will, in fact, do this. And so a couple things that I think is interesting about this topic is he says at the very beginning, the left wing's gender insanity being pushed on our children is an act of child abuse. Very simple. Absolutely. Like this is it's just very plain that the the act of this is child abuse, what they're doing. He says he will revoke the so-called gender-affirming care. It's an apo- a preposterous test giving kids puberty blockers, mutilating their physical appearances, and ultimately performing surgery on minor children. This is a grave problem of mutilating children. And these chemical castrations, if you've, ever, if you've never seen a What is a Woman by Matt Walsh, I highly recommend checking it out because... In that, in that film, he talks about, he explains that the chemical castrations, they don't even do that for criminals anymore. They used to do it for criminals, but they saw it to be cruel and unusual punishment, and so they stopped doing it. Like that, and then they're going to use the same chemicals on our children? Like that's, that's absurd. He also said that he was going to, uh, let's see, instructing every federal agency to cease all programs that promote the concept of sex and gender transition at any age. That's an important note at any age, because the there was the the bill that got passed in Florida, which was the don't say gay bill was the way they were talking about. And they they used to call the people were jokingly call it the wait till seven bill because it only kind of banned it in elementary school. And so people were like, well, uh, so we can wait until they're seven and then we can start indoctrinating the children and making them trans. And I'm this is great. This is so good. The other the big thing that I thought was very important, he said that he's going to give them the right to sue doctors. Now, that's great because doctors, for some reason, who mutilate children have some kind of immunity that they're not allowed to be in trouble for. 
Like they should be allowed children who had no say in the matter because they can't consent to these kind of actions. They're abused by their parents and by their doctors. And then they grow up and they regret what happened to them. What are they to do? They're stuck. They're stuck in the situation that they're in. And there's, he goes on further and further. And I recommend checking out the video again and re-listening to it and trying to get every point that he makes here. But I really, I'm, I'm very pleased with everything he was saying with this. There's nothing here that I was like, okay, that's, that's not good. He even said he's going to establish that the only genders recognized by the United States government are males and females. Then they are assigned at birth. I don't like the word assigned at birth. They are maybe a recognized at birth because it's not assigned to you. You are, you are what you are. So that I had quibble with that word, but the fact that he wants to do that, I think is wonderful. The other thing he said that we will be promoting positive education about the nuclear family, the roles of mother is and fathers and celebrating rather than erasing the things that make men and women different and unique. That's amazing. This is, he's talking about the differences between men and women and not saying, Oh, well, men and women are equal. They're, they're the same. I'm very surprised by this. I'm very surprised by this because one of the things that I really did not like about Trump was the fact that he would always wink and nod with the LGBT community, that he had the drags for Trump and the drag queen stuff is all related with the trans stuff. It's all tied together. And so that, that always turned me off big time to Donald Trump. And I think this is huge and very big, and I'm very pleased with it. The other reason is because even if Donald Trump is not the prim- uh, primary victor for the uh, Republican Party, it will at least push everyone else in that in that party to try to match or even go beyond what Donald Trump is saying to be able to compete with him. So I think that's also a good sign. So even if you don't want Trump to win and you want anyone else to win, well, then this is still good news for you because he's going to be forcing people who may be more squishy on it or less brave about this to say, OK, well, this is where I have to go, because now if I do less, I'm going to look bad. So I want to transition over, speaking of, to uh, Dylan Mulvaney. You may have heard of this guy who has pretended to become a woman and he just had surgery on his face to try to look more like a woman. And I want to play this clip of what he says here, because I think it's very telling. And I want to comment about that. That's a wrap on face reveal. Oh my gosh, hi, I missed you. You know I have a flair for the dramatics, but it's so good, right? I'm so happy, and it's still me. It's just a little bit softer of a version. Yeah, so that that's the thing that I wanted to point out. He says, he even says, it's still me. It's just a softer version of me. Isn't that interesting? It's still me. It's just a softer version of me. He recognizes that the the surgery doesn't actually change anything about him. It changes his appearance and it distorts him, but he's still him. Why is that the case? Now, I don't think he could articulate this, and maybe he could. I have no idea what his background in education is. But in Catholic anthropology, in, in Catholic understanding of the human person, a human person is a body soul composite. We are not our bodies and we are not our souls. We are our body and our souls. That's what a human person is, by definition. And so if you mutilate your body, you're still you because you still have your soul and you still have your body. It's just a destroyed soul. If you dye your hair, you're still you. All these things about you remain the same. Now, the transgender movement 
they likes to try to imitate or maybe one might say culturally appropriate the other sexes men pretending to be women is the most common thing we see and the thing about this is that when they do this they are making a mockery of what a woman is because you're you're reducing women down to their physical attributes and and characters of who they are you could see dylan mulvaney's uh, his first video he put out that went viral was day in the life of a girl and he was like oh i'm i'm my first day as a girl and i've already cried six times and people thought at first because of how ridiculous it was that he was a right winger who was making fun of it and it was satire but then they realized no this guy's serious and now we know for sure he's serious because there's no way anybody would cut up their face to be able to to willingly to try to make themselves for a joke i don't think anybody would do that so the last thing that's important here is this idea of accidents and substance. The substance of a person is their, is, is their, is what they are. Whereas the accidents of a thing is what they, something looks like, tastes like, feels like. It's kind of like when we talk about the, the, uh, transubstantiation, the physical attributes, the accidents of bread and wine, and the substance is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord. So too, in transgenderism, these people pretend to change their accidents and think that it will change their substance. It does not. You can change your accidents all you want. It does not change who you are. It doesn't change that you are a man. You are a man in every fiber of your being, in every form of your DNA. And so if there's something wrong in your mind where you're saying, I think I'm a woman, the answer is not to change your body to conform to your mind. It's instead to recognize the physical reality of your body and conform your mind to reality. That's what reason is. That's what logic is, to conform the mind to reality. That's what sanity is. It is insanity to look at reality and attempt to conform that to your mind. And that's what the transgenderism is doing. That's what he just, uh, he, he thinks he's doing, but even he knows, he even he knows I'm not a woman because he says very clearly, it's still me. Don't worry, I changed my face, but it's still me. That's very important. It's very interesting, very telling. All right, in the next segment, we're going to be talking to Father Carney about St. Francis Sells. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Does Jesus condemn praying the rosary in Matthew 6, 7 when he says, as the King James renders it, use not vain repetitions as the heathens do? Protestants think so. What's the Catholic response? First, Jesus is not condemning repetitious prayer per se. If he were, well then he would be condemning himself, since according to Mark 14, 39, he prayed multiple times, Father, remove this cup, not what I will, but what you will. But that's absurd. So what was Jesus condemning? He was condemning Gentile prayers, which were mindless repetitious prayers, as the Greek text suggests. The Gentiles recited prayers only to appease their gods. They were, as the RSV translates it, empty phrases, having nothing to do with expressing one's love for the gods. That's what Jesus is condemning, not the repetitious prayer of the rosary. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. I bet you're wondering to yourself... 
How can I win a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C? Easy. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Only $25 a ticket or five tickets for $100. The drawing is February 24th, 2023. So, do you feel lucky? Well, do ya? Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Now here's a couple more headlines for you. Catholic News Agency reports American tourists desecrate statue of Christ in Catholic Church in Jerusalem. On February 2nd, the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord in the Temple and of the Virgin of Candlemas, a vandal desecrated an image of Jesus in a Catholic Church in Jerusalem. The Associated Press reported that the attack occurred at the Church of the Flagellation, located on the Via Dolorosa in Jerusalem, the route that uh, Christ himself, our blessed Lord, walked to Mount Calvary, where he was crucified. As he was arrested, the man shouted, You can't have idols in Jerusalem. This is a holy city. According to the police, he is undergoing psychological evaluation. Please uh, take a moment this day to pray in reparation for this desecration. The Catholic Vote Loop also reports U.S. bishops correct Biden. The president of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops said uh, has issued a statement correcting President Biden after he claimed not all of the U.S. bishops oppose his advocacy for using taxpayer dollars to fund abortions. The Catholic Church has been clear and consistent in this teaching. Archbishop Timothy Broglio wrote of the Church's opposition to abortion. The Catholic bishops of the United States are united in our commitment to life and will continue to work as one body in Christ to make sure abortion is unthinkable. Those are your headline news this morning. God love you. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Uh, joining us in just one moment is Father Carney. Father Carney is going to be talking to us about St. Francis de Sales and the Catholic controversy. There's a book that that uh, St. Francis de Sales put out years ago that back during the Calvinist heresy. So he was writing it actually in defense of the Catholic faith against the Calvinist. It was very, very interesting how they how he did that. He wrote uh, many pamphlets, which is why he became the um, what you would call it, the patron saint rather of the of making pamphlets and of apologist. That was kind of his thing. And so whenever we get into it, we're going to talk about the way in which Father, the way in which Father DeSales started to preach the gospel, in which he apologized, meaning he defended the faith against Calvinism. And the reason why I think it's so interesting is because this is an excellent way to do it today, because he defends the truth of the gospel by means of the authority of the church. He starts off by talking about the mission of the church, and he goes through and he talks about how God can, uh, how the authority matters. And then he goes through and talks about sacred scripture and say the, the destruction of sacred scripture by the Protestants. I thought it was very interesting. Uh, but joining us right now on by phone is Father Carney. Good morning to you, Father Carney. Good morning. Praise be to God. Thank you for joining us. The, 
the Catholic controversy by St. Francis de Sales. Many people are know who Francis de Sales is because of his book, True Devotion to Mary. They don't really, I'm not sorry, not True Devotion to Mary, to the introduction to the devout life, my, my mistake. The, the Catholic controversy, though, is what we were going to talk about today, and it's a very interesting thing. I was uh, talking about uh, at the beginning of the show, the top of the show, how the Catholic controversy, when it was originally published by Tan, the binding was so terrible. And so I'm really, really happy that they're putting out this new edition that looks beautiful and uh, is hardback and is it's really nice. I'm very, very happy about them re republishing all these books. But who was St. Francis Sells and why should we care about him today? Yeah, St. Francis Sells was ordained for one year and he was assigned to go into Chamblois in France and convert all the Catholics that had become Calvinists 60 years ahead of time. <clears throat> so he, he entered the city, and there were probably 27 Catholics out of 72,000. But four years later, after walking around the streets and preaching and making the pamphlets and putting them under the door, then almost everyone, almost all 72,000, reverted back to the Catholic Church. And that's where we get the Catholic controversy, a defense of the faith, it's from these pamphlets. Yeah, the it was really interesting to me. I started reading this. I got I picked up this book years ago, and I started reading it, and I was blown away by the argumentation that he used. It was not really anything like I really seen in modern apologetics. Usually, I see I don't really see a systematic way of doing apologetics today. Usually, it's issue by issue. And I thought it was interesting that this compiled. And I suppose, I guess, since it was pamphlets, he probably didn't systematically make this this way. What was uh, Francis de Sales' strategy for apologetics? Well, his strategy, his main tactic, his main spiritual weapon was love. So when he went to Geneva, he said, love will shake the walls of Geneva. So he had a very deep interior life. And so God was putting on his heart how to write a pamphlet for a certain family and put it under the door. And Saint, or Pope Pius IX in 1877 said, this book is full and complete of the demonstration of the Catholic religion. And like you said, the first chapter is on mission. It's so comprehensive. It's a, it's a catechism instead of apologetics. You know, it's not the enemy gets to dictate the topic and the narrative. It's St. Francis Sells was the one who dictated the narrative, and that's how he won the people. And so in that first uh, chapter on mission, it, it blew me away when I read it, because he talks about, to the Calvinists, he said, you, you've declared a divorce between Christ and his church, and he says, where's your mission? And he said, to be legates, those you know who are sent by the Pope to go to different nations to convert it to Catholicism, he said to be legates, they should have been sent. They need to have letters of credit. So he said to the Calvinists, where are your letters of credit? Then he talks about two ways that missions are given. One of them is immediately, and the other one is immediately. So immediate mission means one is sent by one who is from God. So, for example, St. Dennis was sent to France by the Pope, or Clement and Timothy were sent by St. Paul, but an immediate mission is when God himself commands to give charge without an interposition. 
also for prelates and pastors. So, for example, St. Peter and the apostles were sent by who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. And Moses even received a mission to Pharaoh. And so the conclusion is, how shall they preach, says St. Paul, unless they be sent? So I'll stop there for a minute. I just want to make a final comment on that, how brilliant that is. It's just wonderful. Yeah, that's wonderful. And, you know, one thing I also found interesting is the fact that it always it always surprises me. I don't know why it does, but it always surprises me whenever saints refer to other saints in their books, especially when they're <laughs> contemporaries. And I really love in the in the Catholic controversy how he refers to the the good Father Luis of Granada, who's now Venerable Granada, and his uh, introduction on the creed, and talks about him for a minute about the the kings and the and about miracles, about the fact that uh, these organizations because you know we're talking about mission and he's like well if you don't have a regular mission then you must have an extraordinary mission and if you have an extraordinary mission it should be accompanied by miracles and then why don't you have miracles and even the protestants will attest uh, calvin will say well our our miracle is sacred scripture it's kind of the same <laughs> same thing that uh that the muslims will say and the mormons will say our miracle is the quran it is the book of mormon that is the miracle uh, so what do you think about that um, sort of defense that you should wear your miracles? That's just brilliant because it's just the naked gospel coming out. And the mission of Jesus Christ was prophesied uh, for centuries before he came on to the scene. And then he performed miracles. And then he sent the apostles and they had miracles. So how St. Francis sells, I would never have thought this myself how he's defending the faith, he just brings the gospel right to the fore and just says, aha, look, where's your miracles, Calvinists? And that has such fruit. And you know that he was constantly um, discerning the spirits, and he was always discerning the spirit of God, because the spirit of the devil is pride, and the spirit of the world is stupidity, but the spirit of God is peace and truth. So he had a direct channel to God, when he wrote these pamphlets, and that's why they've endured for 400 years, and now we have them in this wonderful St. Francis de Sales signature set, these four volumes of just the, the naked gospel. Uh, he writes with such charity, but he has such truth, and he's convincing because God is just, it's like he's, God is downloading onto his brain how he would defend the faith for these people. And he won over 72,000 Catholics. This is unheard of where the new evangelization, I think, is really just the reversion of Catholics coming back to the church. He was the first one to do it 400 years ago, so it's not that new. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I know uh, Eric Sammons wrote the book, The Old Evangelization. He was like, well, this new evangelization, why don't we uh, do it the way it's always been done? And <laughs> and that's uh, then Francis Sells is, is exactly that. And I, and we're about to go to break in about a minute. And when we get back, I, I want to talk to you about, because you do street evangelization. So I want to talk to you about your experience doing that and how St. Francis de Sales' strategies, how his disposition, his interior life, and those kind of things have affected you in your interactions with individuals. Because we kind of, like, especially doing things like radio, podcasting, things like that, we speak to the masses, which is very difficult. 
different to speaking to an individual, which is very different from this kind of relationship uh, with others. And the other thing on the other side of the break that I want to talk about is the topic of sacred scripture. I thought found it very interesting because Catholics today, it's very, very common. People say, well, you know, the good thing about Protestants is that they really know their scripture. But Francis Sells would say, no, you don't know your scripture. In fact, you brutalize scripture. In fact, you don't really know scripture very well at all. So we're going to talk about that at the other side of the break. So don't go anywhere. All this and more on Catholic Drive Time. And we'll be right back with Father Carney on St. Francis Sells, specifically on the Catholic controversy. We'll be right back. Marty, the TRN is raffling off a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C. Whoa, Doc. That's heavy. What, are we going to have to, like, go back in time to get tickets? Not at all, Marty. Just call 888-784-3476 or go to grnonline.com. We better hurry, Marty. The drawing takes place February 24th, the year 2023. We really need one of those smartphones, Doc. Paragraph 2223 in the Catechism of the Catholic Church states that parents have the first responsibility for the education of their children. First and foremost, this is in regards to the education in the faith. One really fun way of doing this is to take a Catholic calendar and at the beginning of each month, choose a day to celebrate, either a saint's day or a feast day. For instance, on December 12th, the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, spread a serape across the table, have a Mexican food feast and put on the mariachi music. Place a statue or a picture of Our Lady of Guadalupe in the middle of the table. Tell the kids who she is and why you're celebrating. Do this every month with a different saint or feast day and imagine how much of the faith that you will learn together while you have fun as a Catholic family. This has been a Minute for Your Marriage and Family from the Three Hearts Institute. You can find us at threeheartsinstitute.org. We are back. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And before we get back into our interview with Father Carney, let me just invite you to join our email list. You can go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and join our email list. If you do, we send you a unique content every Friday, something that you can not find elsewhere. We remind you of all the interviews that we did during the week. And then we finally, at the very end, we bother you just a little bit and ask you to support the GRN in different ways. So if you want to do that, make sure you go to the uh, to our email list. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But joining us right now is Father Carney. We're talking about Francis DeSales. And there's two topics I want to talk about with you, Father, is one your street evangelization, and two, the topic of sacred scripture and Protestants. Let's start with the one about the scripture thing first, and let's conclude our show talking about your street evangelization. The topic of sacred scripture, the it's very, very common to hear this phrase. Well, you know, the, the Protestants, at least they, they really know their, their scripture. And I always kind of cringe at that. It's um, like, really, it's only... Catholics today are cradle Catholics today who weren't catechized very well that don't know their scripture. If you look at the saints, the doctors, and even the the medieval peasants of the past, they knew their scriptures very well. And Francis de Sales would disagree with that statement. He would say, no, if they knew their scriptures, they would be Catholic. In fact, they brutalize sacred scripture. Um, what say you, Father Carney? Yes, yeah, so in the traditional Latin Mass, Catholics take their missal and 
they can read along with the Mass. Every Sunday of the year, there's different scriptures and throughout the weekdays. And so Catholics have been reading scriptures every day, every year for their lives, the good Catholics. So they're really versed in it. So when I meet people in the street that are Protestants and they say, oh, you're a Catholic and you don't know your scriptures, and they start to interpret scriptures according to their own immanentism, what's on their heart, uh, it's wrong some of the times. And I, I tell them, you know, where's your authority to interpret what these words mean? Where does it come from? It comes from you. But who is the one that brought us the Bible? It's the Catholic Church. They're the ones that said, this book will be in the Bible. This one will not be in the Bible. And it's the table of contents comes from the Catholic Church. So if anyone should interpret the Bible, shouldn't it be the ones that have said which book should be in the Bible? And they come up with these flimsy arguments, you know, and it's from the Protestant spirit. And I just say, you know, I'd love to talk to you again. Next time you see me, come and get me because I walk around the streets. And it's all about going to the truth, Adrian. That's what it's all about. And that's that's the argument that I have. Protestants, they might know what Scripture means, um, but not really in the sense of what the church and the church fathers and the scholastics mean to say. And that's a big difference sometimes. It's very dangerous. You know, Father, it's something I've always noticed and I comment on uh, pretty frequently is the idea that uh, Protestants, what they what they know is they know a they may have read the Bible cover to cover. They may even have done it multiple times. But in their memory, for some reason, they only know a few verses that they can they spout out scripture and verse and they have them out of context and they throw them out there. And I've noticed that many times when I talk to friends and family and other people in, in real life, in person, obviously you have your, your scripture scholars and your, and your theologians in the Protestant church, and they know their scripture, and so do, so do Catholics. And we have our scripture scholars in the same, in the same manner. But the, it's very interesting to me because the, the Catholic way of quoting scripture up until the modern era was not to quote chapter and verse. It was just part of the lexicon. And I found that very fascinating, and I realized that about myself as well as being a cradle Catholic and not having done any of those exercises where you just memorize scripture, uh, scripture by verse, I realized that just by being at the liturgy, by reading my missal, by praying parts of the divine office, by doing those kind of things, I have just imbibed many things that are a part of scripture, and I'll just say them, and if you ask me, where, where is that in the Bible? I'm like, oh, well, I'm, it's there i think saint paul said it or our lord said it in the gospels or it's in the psalms and but i won't be able to tell you the exact chapter and verse what do you think about the that manner of script of knowing scripture oh yeah i think i can't remember when i was in seminary they taught us that the chapter and verse was written by uh, i think a, a cleric on a horseback and he was just putting the chapter in the verse town but you know i think its subject is a lot better uh, way to understand scripture. So a lot, most of the times when Protestants want to go toe to toe with me on scripture, I just, I like to go to the gospel on the Holy Eucharist, John six, where Jesus talks about he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life. And he who does not eat my flesh or drink my blood shall not have eternal life. And my, you know, 
the bread that your ancestors ate, the manna, you, you know, you die. But the, the, the bread that I will give will give you eternal life. And I really focus on the Holy Eucharist because the Protestants don't have that. And I tell them, this is the new tree of life. You know, in the Garden of Eden, there was a tree of life. Adam and Eve were immortals. Uh, but once they were cast out, they couldn't eat of that tree of life anymore, and they were prone to death. So they became mortals. But the new tree of life is the cross, and the fruit is Jesus Christ, and he gives us his flesh and blood as fruit for immortality. So I would think that would be convincing to people that are open, but a lot of times Protestants are not open. That's what you mentioned at the beginning, is they just remember a few parts of Scripture. So that's... Yeah, Father, you know, and doing street evangelization as you do, which I think is amazing, and we should get, we should have more people doing this. Uh, and before I ask that next question, tell me a little bit about your street evangelization ministry, and if other people wanted to do that, would you recommend that your average Catholic do something like this, or should only clerics do this, or does there need to be special training? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, what I do is I put on my cassock and I have a crucifix, and a rosary, and I try to imitate St. Louis de Montfort, who said in the latter times they will carry their uh, banner of Christ and a rosary and go out into the streets. And so that's what I do, and I just, when people come up to me, they, they ask me about my Catholic, and I start to answer their questions, and I start to develop a relationship with them, like St. Francis de Sales did, and hopefully me going out there every day for years after years, they get tired of seeing me and they want to actually do, ask what I'm all about. And so that's the game plan is um, Bishop Kenny of Wichita, my home diocese, he has made me the apostolic priest of Wichita uh, last year. And the nuns are trying, the, the nuns I take care of, the Benedicts and Mary, they're trying to start a monastery. So they're founding a uh, a second daughter house because they're growing and it's Latin math. And so that's what I'm about. And you had another question I, you know, you wanted to get to, I'd be happy to answer that. Yes. And the other thing that I wanted to talk about was, you know, St. Francis Sells is known for his sweetness. He's known for, they, I think the famous quote is, uh, you can attract more flies with, with this honey rather than vinegar. <laughs> and I always struggled with this because I was like, yeah, that's true, but you know, sometimes that it, it feels like it's an excuse to not not engage in the battle, to not say the hard truths, to not talk about the difficult things that people are like. Well, you catch more more flies with with honey rather than vinegar, so don't talk about the bad things, don't talk about the difficult things, just talk about the things we can agree upon and things like that. And maybe that, I mean, that, that can't be what Francis Sells meant by that. So could you talk about that and how you incorporate that spirituality and your engagement with individuals? Oh, yeah. What St. Francis de Sells does is he, he delivers the hard truths, but he puts honey around them. So, you know, they're still there. And one great preacher, a priest, a, a friend of mine, says, in every sermon, you should almost always mention hell. But you should say, it's, it's easy to get to heaven, but it's also easy to get to hell. So, you know, you, the way that it's put is so important. And that's where 
St. Francis Sells was a master. He was so deep in the spiritual life when him and his cousin, Shannon Lewis, approached the region for the first time. They invoked the garden angels of mm. Chabla and, and Thone. And you see, that's a deep spiritual life. And that is what was so winning is that he was letting God speak to his heart. And in that contemplation, he would share that with others. And that's called the apostolic life. And that's what I try to do. That's why I don't go out and just start going up to people and talking to them. I, I simply pray the rosary and I think about those mysteries constantly. And, you know, I have a constant conversation with God while I'm out there walking. And then when people come up to me and interrupt that, then I share that contemplation with, I am not at all at the level of St. Francis Sales because, you know, I would probably went over thousands of souls by now because I've been doing this for five years. So I'm kind of a, a, a slow learner. So I really need to read. I need, I need to read how he did it and try to apply myself like him because that's the new evangelization is bringing back the Catholics. Amen. Lost. Amen. Yeah, that's so true. And, and I can't think of any greater. And I've never really thought about this until Tan reached out to me talking about this book. And I was like, you know, I didn't think about this before, but St. Francis really is the patron of our times because he was going after the recently the Catholics who recently left the faith. They weren't like we have today. Protestants today have many of them have been Protestants for generations. Um, but we we have the new evangelization is supposed to be about re, like, returning these Catholics who have just recently, one generation ago or less, left the faith and bringing them back. Uh, what do you think about the the evangelization right now? We're talking about the Eucharistic revival. Uh, what do you think about all the, that? Those things going on in the church. Well, I I really do think if lay people um, are fairly well read in the Catholic Church, they could pray their rosaries too and go out, and maybe their rosary would attract people to them. And so the Eucharistic revival, I think it's really going back to the Latin Mass. And it's because it's so rich with so many centuries of saints uh, adding to it, um, and it also is derived from the temple worship. So I think having a great reverence towards the Eucharist and going back to our traditional roots is the way. Well, thank you very much, Father. We're out of time. Could you quickly give us your uh, priestly, priestly blessing? Yes, David. Here it is. Benedicta Dami Potenti, Pod Jesus, Spirit Spirit of Sanchez, Super Vos of Mania, Semper. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Father Carney. Pick up Catholic Controversy with Tan Publications. Go check it out there. We'll be right back. On the other side, the six most controversial topics that St. Thomas Aquinas covers, plus fair and trembling. We'll see you there in just a second. It was somewhat of an accident, and I have a lot of windshield time driving for work, and usually I'm listening to my gospel music, and so I wanted to find something else different. And so I started scrolling. I found Guadalupe Radio. I started listening to it on a regular basis. And what I realized, had I found this station years ago, my conversion would have probably happened years ago. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Most of us can recall a childhood memory of innocence and a peace that only comes from God. Yet with our busy schedules today, many families don't attend church weekly or spend much time teaching their children about God. 
so many families now are burdened by financial and family challenges, substance abuse, and other worries. But there is hope. Studies show that people who pray regularly and practice their Christian faith are less stressed, financially stable, more compassionate, optimistic, healthier, and happier. Experience a positive difference in your life and for your family by coming home to your parish. Learn more by visiting catholicscomehome.org today. Here you may find answers to your questions and discover how Jesus and the sacraments will bless your family. There's no pressure or risk. You've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Do it for your kids. Do it for yourself. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact. That's The Spirit World from the Station of the Cross studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. In your car, at the office, or in your home, we're always here. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Amy Shields from St. Dominic Village, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. And we are back. Welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And I'm so glad you're joining us today. It's a beautiful Friday morning. What are you doing for the weekend? I want to know. At 30 past the hour, we're going to go into our after show, and we're going to discuss whatever you want to talk about. So join us on our social media feeds. You can find those social feeds on grnonline.com forward slash CDT, or just look up Catholic Drive Time on YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, Facebook, all sorts of places. You can look us up there and just join in the conversation. But at 15 past the hour, we're going to play our game Fear and Trembling, where you could win prizes. Prizes are involved. So make sure you join us for the Fear and Trembling game show. If you want to find out what our phone number is, so you can call in early and stay on the line, you can call in by finding our number at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And at that same URL, you can sign up for our email list. At our email list, we send you unique content. It goes out today, this afternoon. And here's a secret. This is going to be the last time I send out a link to join our private Telegram chat for a while. So if you're not on the email list, you're not going to get that email, and you're not going to be able to join our private Telegram chat where we interact with you directly. We have a community of people. We pray for each other, share information, share things that we're watching, reading, things like that. And if you want to be in that group chat where you talk to us directly, you can do that by being on our email list. And after this Friday, I'm going to take that link off, and we'll probably put it back in around Easter time, somewhere around there. So this is going to be the last chance for a while. Wow. It's like Lenten penance, huh? It's like, going to be okay, Lenten penance. You better get in right now. You better get on the bus. You better get on the gonna, bus. You're going to miss it. Yes, for sure. <laughs> for sure. And, uh, I, you know, I, I'm thinking of doing some kind of Lenten practice that we can do as a Telegram group together. The people in the Telegram group, we're going to maybe we'll have a, our own Bible study or read something together. Maybe we'll read something by Francis Sells together. I don't know. Uh, I'm still brainstorming ideas. Uh, maybe you can provide me with ideas. People in Telegram chat, make sure you uh, give us some ideas about what we can do. 
Uh, one other thing, we I want, we're going to have Dave Palmer on in just a second, but before we jump into that conversation, I forgot to mention, Rudy, Adrian, 2023, Mercedes-Benz, Woo! CLA 250. I see. Polar. Some would say polar. Some would say polar vortex. Polar. Ooh, Some would say chilly. baller. Baller package. A baller package, one might say. A Mercedes-Benz. Is that the correct pronunciation? Mercedes. Mercedes. Or you could call it a Merc. A Merc. A Mercedes. Mercedes-Benz. Maybe, maybe I should just keep saying Mercedes and drive my mom insane. Mercedes. My mom was so upset that I was saying Mercedes. She was like, Mar-. I was listening and I was like, <laughs> I need to correct you. I need to correct you. And I'm like, sorry, mom. Whoops. But if you want to buy tickets to get a chance to win the Mercedes-Benz CLA 250 in polar white, <laughs> you can go online, grnonline.com, and get tickets there. One ticket's $25, five for $100. So that's an opportunity for you. And if you really want to be a champ, then you can go and contact your local general manager and ask how you can help sell some tickets and buy from them directly. That would be great. And make sure whatever you do, tell them Catholic Drive Time sent you. And they will make uh, them our friends, too. So, uh, Rudy, before we Adrian. jump in with uh, Dave Palmer talking about the six most controversial things that Aquinas talks about. Controversial. Oh, we love those kind of Talk things. Talk about clickbait. Talk right about clickbait. Here. Yeah, that's going to be a headline. But the for you, Rudy, what are you doing this weekend? What am I going to do this weekend? Well, I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Let's see. I think I'm going to go to Daily Mass on cool. Saturday. It's first the, Saturday. It's first Saturday. Forgot Today's about first that. Friday. Oh, right? man. It's yeah, first Friday. Today's first Friday. I forgot about that. So I'm going to go tomorrow and, uh, you know, do a little bit of reparation here for the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And uh, then I'm going to have a pretty good breakfast. Uh, my, my wife, uh, Ashley, uh, some would say St. Ashley, has decided <laughs> to make a quiche. So I'm going to enjoy that very much. Awesome. It's going to be great. Awesome. Praise be to God. What about I, you, Adrian? I'm uh, planning on... Sleeping in on Saturday. Mm. I am currently conflicted because I've been getting four to five hours of sleep every night this week, and I'm very tired. Mm-hmm. However, it's first Saturday. I, you just reminded me. So now I feel obligated to wake up early and go to mass. Oh, well, man. You got you to gotta get all priorities. all priorities straightened out. For your yeah, babies. you're right. Oh. Man, well, I guess I am going to go to First Friday and First Saturday Mass. Uh, I mean, I get to go to First Friday and First Saturday Mass uh, today oh, and tomorrow. So that's what I will I be doing. It. I love it. I do love it. I do love it. But I just want to go. I just want to sleep in. So that's just me complaining a little bit. My what would you say is uh, what would you say is like the most controversial uh, uh, take from St. Thomas Aquinas? That one I'm not going to say because uh, Dave called me yesterday and we were talking about this. And I, we were like, the most controversial thing I think we'll leave off the list because it's just too controversial. Maybe I'll tell you on the after show. So if y'all want right. to. Okay, this is a teaser. Join us in the after show and I'll talk about it online on YouTube on Rumble and all that jazz. So join us there and I'll mention it there. Now we uh, do have to tease something else, right? There is something else we got to tease. So what is it? Well, there's a seat going to be filled at the Catholic Drive Time team. Ooh. And who that person is, let's just say they're older than I am. Mm-hmm. So that that narrows mm-hmm. it down quite a bit. They're older than I am. They are uh, they have less hair than me. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, all right. And they have appeared on the Catholic Drive Time 
show in the past. So there's your hints. Okay, who's bald? Let me see. So make mm-hmm. sure you uh, reach out to us. Try to guess who you think is going to be the our 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 person filling the seat on Monday. So put your guesses in. Put your bets. Start putting your bets down. Some would say our comrade. Our comrade. One might say we. Uh... We don't like those people, though. Yeah. That's comrade, Comrades. But, uh... <laughs> uh, but joining us right now is Dave Palmer, host of Back to the Father on Guadalupe Radio Network. Good morning to you, Dave. Good morning, Adrian. Can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. I can hear you loud and clear. All right. By the way, I fit all three of those descriptions. I'm going bald. I'm old. <laughs> and I have been on the show before, but it's not me. So you can eliminate one person, okay? Okay. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. I know I know. my descriptions narrowed it down really, really well. Well, uh, notice how he didn't say, <laughs> notice he didn't say, and he likes snakes and reptiles. Right. So right. That would have been obvious. That would have been obvious. <laughs> Well, Dave, the I you put out this video on your on your YouTube channel about the six most controversial topics, and you had uh, mentioned it to me because I was this earlier the week we I was talking about how the sin of sodomy is one of the is is an unnatural vice and it's different from all the other ones. And you were like, "Hey, I was talking about that on on my show," and I was that's hilarious. I went and watched it. I thought it was a great conversation that you uh, or or video you put out. And I know you're gonna are you gonna be talking about that today with Back to the Father? Yeah, we are. We're going to talk about the six, in my estimation, most controversial teachings of the Summa Theologia in order. And by the way, the one that you said was going to kind of remain unspoken uh, during this segment, that actually comes in at number three. So there's two Ooh. that I think are more controversial. I think the wow. third one is just the perhaps the hardest one to explain, or and I, it's, it's somewhat indefensible, I think. The other ones, even if they are kind of sound kind of crazy, you can say, well, maybe, maybe, you know, let's see why he taught this. You know, he was living in the medieval age, and things were not quite as woke as, you know, <laughs> the 21st century. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, even though they're, they're not all defendable, I think sometimes you can see, like, well, let's just try to see what he was getting at here. Yeah, for sure. So I picked three that I wanted to talk about, and I'm going to let you go off on them for a little bit. And if you want to get a full in-depth, because we're just going to like give a couple sentences about this. You're, you're not going to get the whole treatment. You're going to have to go to Back to the Father to get the full treatment on these topics. But the three that I chose was usury, sodomy, and the third, I was kind of conflicted on whether or not lying was worse or the his his teaching on the execution of heretics was was more controversial. I couldn't tell which one was more controversial. So I'll let you uh, pick a pick between those two. Which one do you think is is more controversial? Well, I, I picked I picked the the number one most controversial as being not only the the killing of heretics, but he has a question that Suma says. Uh, should sinners lose their lives? And so he's not, I, I, obviously there's a crossover between heretics and sinners, but uh, you want me to go ahead and start with that one? Because I, I think that's the For the sure, one let's that start with may, that then. May sh- it may shock people the most because he does, uh, he, he basically says, says that the good of the community is more important than the good of the individual. Okay, so some people would say, "Oh, really? You know, we got to look at the the old, you know, he's saying we got to look at the community as a large." And by the way, I'm, I'm not defending by any means the killing of sinners or the killing of heretics. I'm just saying that what what Aquinas said back then was, if somebody is polluting spiritually the community and, and they have been warned and warned and they they continue to to not you know retract their their sin or their heresy, then it would be better for the whole 
for that person to be excised or taken out uh, than, than for them to continue to be allowed to, to lead other people into, uh, you know, sin and ultimately uh, damnation. Yeah, I think understanding Thomas's teaching here really explains and helps you understand the Inquisition in those kind of situations, which there's a lot of myths surrounding it, but uh, for sure, Rudy? Yeah, you know, it, that reminds me of, uh, obviously, it, it's a very hard thing to listen to, to hear that sort of teaching, because, you know, you think, wow, that sounds really extreme, but when you have an eternal perspective, and you realize that uh, souls are at stake, and there's a, there's an eternal punishment for those who are polluted, who, uh, who end up dying in mortal sin, or who uh, subscribe to the latest heresy, I mean, when you put it in that perspective, it doesn't sound so extreme, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, that's why I think there's some kind of middle ground. Do we want to go around, you know, saying we need to kill heretics and sinners? No. But at the same time, I think in our culture today, I mean, if, if we had a friend, the average person has a friend who says another somebody, somebody comes up to him and says, oh, by the way, I'm having an affair with my wife or I'm committing, you know, the sin of pornography. The culture is basically saying, eh, you know, no big deal. It's, it's all right. You know, everybody else is doing it. So <laughs> we've gone so far in the opposite <laughs> yeah, direction sure. that if we can just kind of tap the brakes a little bit and move closer to, like you say, Rudy, that eternal type of uh, perspective of, you know, the, these actions, uh, objectively speaking, can end, have you end up in, in eternal hellfire. And I think that was Thomas's motivation in, in, in his age. Did he take it to an extreme? Of course. Yeah, the, the, the other topic, so let's move on real quick because we're, we're going to run out of time real quick. Let's talk about usury for a second. Usury is a topic that I think is incredibly fascinating and is, I think, one of the most controversial things in, in, the, in the church's teachings for today because everyone commits usury nowadays and it's a debated topic today about what on earth we're talking about what does it mean with modern money uh so what do you think about that uh, dave palmer yeah i i put this one as number six uh so the the least of the controversial but i think it might be the most surprising to people because anybody who goes to a bank to get a business loan or something is just going to expect to pay interest and mm -hmm. uh thomas you know he, he makes a distinction between the item and the use of the item. And he says, basically, when you're, you're charging usury or, or interest on a loan, you're, 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 you're creating something that doesn't exist. Because if I, you know, borrow $1,000 from you, Adrian, and then you say, oh, you got to pay me back $1,100, uh, well, the, 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 I'm only getting the 1000 And so by, I think by our modern kind of financial mindset people say oh that sounds kind of crazy but he's trying uh, he's trying to make a distinction between the the the, the item itself he, he compares it to like wheat and wine and mm -hmm. where if i if i say hey i'm, I'm going to give you some of my my wheat or my wine i don't say oh then you got to return back that plus 10 percent of it you know um, and, and again, this is an economic thing, um, and I don't know. It, 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 do you have anything to add to that, or that? That's at least my yeah. understanding of how he explains it. I like I like the topic of usury uh, when talking about the controversial topics because it can lead right into the next one, which is sodomy. Because uh, many of the later writers actually compare the sin of sodomy to the sin of usury, because they're saying that both are actions that tr attempt to make something fecund, which is not fecund, meaning that they try to make 
money make more money the same way sodomy tries to make something that is sterile produce fruit and it's not possible uh, but anyway, if you want to dive deep into these conversations, make sure you check out Back to the Father. It's at 2 o'clock on today? Uh, one, one, o'clock, 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock Central Time. Go to Back to the Father. And go to GRN's YouTube channel and Facebook page. You can find it there. Uh, but we're going to go play our game show, Fear and Trembling. So make sure you call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact. That's The Spirit World from the Station of the Cross studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. What does it take to constitute an actual church? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a gathering of Christians is not automatically a church. Although Matthew 18 says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in their midst, that is not a text to be interpreted as a premise for a church. That's a requirement to legitimize an accusation. Secondly, Catholic teaching. Christ established and sustains the church as both a mystical community and a visible organization with hierarchy and jurisdiction. And thirdly, my take. Eventually, you have to decide what one item is absolutely essential for our Lord to say, that's my church. So is it a church if there's simply a common belief in the Bible? Or perhaps just a doctrinal agreement? Is it compliance to the Apostles' Creed? Could it be the stamp of approval from a denomination? Maybe an ordained pastor makes it officially a church. So, you know that place you've been attending every Sunday morning at 10 a.m.? Maybe it's not even a church. Maybe it's just a good, healthy hangout. Ooh. Holy raffle, Batman! The GRN is raffling off a Mercedes-Benz CLA250C. If we win, that could be our new Batmobile. Great idea, Robin. Uh, how do we get tickets? Easy, Batman. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Tickets are $25 for one or $100 for five. I knew you were good for something. Quick, hand me my bat phone. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. your opportunity to join us on the Fear and Trembling Game Show. We have opportunities to win the prize. And in fact, we're going to draw the prize today because today's Friday. So that's the day we draw the prizes. And if you want to be entered for a chance to win, that's 877-757-9424. Rudy Carlos is waiting to take your call at 877-757-9424. Your opportunities to join us in the Fear and Trembling Game Show are looking good because right now there are zero callers on the line, which means if you call right now at 877-757-9424, you will be the first caller and you will be our contestant for today's game show. So how does this game work? Fear and Trembling. Fear and Trembling, which you can join us by calling 877-757-9424. The game is played very simply. It's very easy. 
You you can't misunderstand. It's very simple. What we do is we're not going to ask you the question. Instead, I'm going to ask Rudy three questions, and he's going to give an answer. And it's your job to tell me, is Rudy telling you the truth or is he lying to you? Is he giving you a right answer or a wrong answer? So there's a 50-50 chance of you getting the answer correct. Very simple, very easy, and you can play the game by calling 877-757-9424. I've been told that I, I give the number too fast, so I'm going to say it slow. 877-757-9424 is a number to call to join us to play the game. But yes, there are prizes involved every week. We give out a prize. Sometimes it's a prize from us, and we send you our CDT mug. Other times we will send out a prize from a local Catholic organization because we like to support and promote Catholic organizations, Catholic groups. And the phone lines just lit up. We just got a ton of callers flooding the line. So thank you very much to everyone who just called in. It's really nice to see everybody jumping on the line. But let's see. Let's uh, Rudy Carlos, who is our sponsor for the game show this week? Praise be to God. So Catholic Drive Time for our uh, our game show. It's not just calling in and having a great time with us and bantering with us and learning about your Catholic faith. We also give out prizes, and today we're giving out the prize. Our sponsor this week was Divinia Water. You may remember them from uh, a few weeks ago. They were a sponsor. They've decided to generously sponsor our game show again. Thank you again, Divinia Water. And they're the most distinguished bottled water on the market. It's free from microplastics, heavy metals, pharmaceuticals, and hundreds of other contaminants that you'll find in your tap water, in your bottled water, in all kinds of different places. Divinia is the only truly purified water brand to be bottled in glass for quality. So it's not just uh, an aesthetic choice there. It's bottled in pristine Idaho on a bottling line blessed by a Catholic priest, and Divinia is run by a Catholic family dedicated to preserving God's natural surroundings while also giving you the best in clean, functional hydration. Now, Divinia has many different options for you to uh, to receive it. They have subscription options. You could buy them up front. But uh, if you want to be, uh, if you want to check out their wares, go to DiviniaWater.com and uh, check out those uh, convenient subscription options that they offer. Thank you again, Divinia Water. We appreciate you. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, Divinia Water, for being our sponsor this week. Uh, but joining us right now uh, from, well, actually, I don't know. Joining us right now is someone who who's calling in. <laughs> who am I speaking with? Oh, hi. I'm sorry. Kim Sunderman. Oh, Kim. Good morning, you know, Kim. <laughs> Kim from the Charismatic Center. Okay, Kim Sunderman is a yeah. volunteer for the Guadalupe Radio Network in Houston. So she goes to the Catholic Charismatic Center in Houston, Texas. We're very grateful for Kim. She's a wonderful prayer volunteer. Warrior. She's a prayer warrior. She goes out to uh, the uh, one, she, one, she went out of the abortion clinics, but she also uh, prays for an end to sexual abuse of women and the uh, sex trafficking. It's pretty awesome. So thank you very much, yeah, Kim. Yeah, and she's a homeschool mom too. Yeah, that's probably the biggest thing for you is is being uh, a mom to your two kids. Superstar, yeah. superstar, right there. So pray uh, for Kim and her family today. Pray the for her her ministries. Uh, but thank you for calling, Kim. I you've listened to the show many times. So you know how to play the game. Yes, I do. Thanks. Awesome. Well, then let's jump right into the game. We don't want to run out of time. We got to pull the name out of the hat at the end of the show. So, Rudy, are you ready? I am so ready. <laughs> All right. Well, the question is. 
which apostle was married and had daughters? You know, I think uh, I think this is a trick question. Okay. But I'm going to ask you anyways. What apostle was married and had daughters? Okay. That apostle's name was Rudolphus. Oh. Yeah, he came after. He was an apostle after. Uh, like uh, apostle in like It's been like 10 years after a blessed Lord ascended. Oh, wow. You know, so. Yeah, he was can... like a, uh, a, a different sense of the word apostle. Yeah. Wasn't well, one of the 12. A yeah, different, different apostle. Yeah. I mean, if you want to be uh, Merriam-Webster about it. Right, sure. right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, Kim. Uh, what say you? The question is, which apostle was married and had daughters? Rudy Carlo said it's St. Rudolphus. What say you, Kim? Is he telling you the truth? Is he lying to you? Is he right? Is he wrong? What say you, Kim Sunderman? I say it's false. It's false, Rudy. <laughs> That's correct. Very simple. The answer they gave uh, is Philip, but that's true. Hmm. But uh-huh. didn't Peter also have a daughter? Wasn't he married and had a daughter as well? I don't know. I don't know if it's specifically a daughter. I don't know. I guess you'd have to be very, you have to pay attention to the question there. Yeah. Had do- daughters plural. Oh, so maybe, maybe that's what it is. He had is. one daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, wow. That's a tricky question. Well, you got it, Kim Sunderman. Way to go. Praise be to God. I think uh, you're going to be a three for three or is my guess. Uh, Kim, are you ready for question number two? Yes, for sure. Awesome. Let's jump in. Rudy. Adrian. What is the court? Or administrative body through which the Pope governs the church. Now, if I'm remembering this correctly, it's called a cabinetus. Cabinetus. Cabinetus, which is oh. Latin for cabinet. Oh, interesting. It's not. It's not Twitterus. Twitterus. It's no, not, it it's isn't covered through it's Twitter. Not, not airplaneus either. Oh. Uh, oh. Okay. So not airplaneus. Not Twitterus. But cabitinus. 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 Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Latin for cabinet. Latin for cabinet. All right. Well, Kim Sunderman, Rudy seems to think that the answer to our question, which is what is the court of administrative body through which the Pope governs the church? Rudy seems to think that the answer is cabinetus. That's right. Cabinetus. Is he right or is he wrong, Kim Sunderman? I'm going to say false. False. Rudy? Nailed it! Way to go, Kim Sunderman! Nailing it! It's a very easy, very simple. You can't trick her. Yeah, you can't trick her. She, she's, she's too, too smart. She knows the faith too well. Well, Kim Sunderman, the answer actually is Curia. He yeah. governs through the Curia. So, way to go. Supposedly. You're two for two. Or two for two so far. So, let's see if we can get you two for three. So, let's go to the last question. Kim, are you ready? Yeah. Awesome. Rudy? Here it comes. All right. Here it comes. Here comes the boom. What term refers to having no sin on the soul as one is born? Okay. That is known as immaculate conception. Interesting. Interesting. Immaculate conception. Okay. Well, this this question is, again, worded rather strangely. What term refers to having no sin on the soul as one is born, mm-hmm. but also just no soul, sin on the soul in general? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. Kim Sunderman, is Rudy telling you the truth? Is that the Immaculate Conception or is it something else? Is he right? Is he wrong? Is he telling you the truth or is he lying to you, Kim Sunderman? What say you? I 
going to have to guess on that one. I apologize. It's so true. True. <laughs> Let's see. Hmm. Nailed it. Three for three. Yeah. Kim Sunderman with the win. Way to go, Kim. Well, thank you. All right. All right, we're going to pull our name out of the coffee cup of divine providence. And, and the winner is... One. Sandy! Sandy! Woo. Way to go, Sandy. Sandy! Congratulations. Congratulations, Sandy. We'll be able to uh, ship that out to you as soon as possible. But thank you, Kim, for joining us on the show. You're welcome. And thank where are you off to today, Kim? Are you going to go to... Uh, is the Charismatic Center, are they having a throat blessings today? Yes, they are. They're going to have their blessings today for, at Mass at noon. But I'll be going to Mass at Holy Rosary today. Oh, uh, okay. Wonderful. I love Holy Rosary. Love the Dominicans there. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. We when, love it, too. And your, your kids there are going to be joining you at, at Mass at Holy Rosary? Yes. Mm-hmm. After, home, after homeschooling. After homeschooling. Praise be to God. That's yeah, awesome. So that's Very good. For biology and Latin. They do Latin there, too, as well. Wonderful. Learning Latin. That's awesome. And they didn't Latin for it. Yeah, so many years, but seven they, years for curries and about six years for chastity. They probably know Latin better than I do, to be completely honest. My Latin <laughs> is is not great. I, I did not do excellent in Latin. I should have done better, to be completely honest. But yeah, we have some wonderful tutors there from University of St. Thomas that teach Latin there at, uh, at the Holy Rosary Co-op. So we're you have great, your great alma mater. My great alma mater. Yeah, Adrian stuffed all his Latin books in his cabinetus. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, my Latin professor, he said, uh, you know, you guys, I'm sorry because... Y'all were never taught grammar as children. You were not taught proper grammar. You were not taught proper sit-in structure. The school system has failed you. It's not your fault. You don't know cursive. But it is your problem. Mm. And he was like, so you're going to have to be working doubly hard to learn grammar and all this stuff. The English grammar first, so then you can learn Latin grammar. But I'm glad your kids have been learning Latin. I bet they're doing much better than I am. They'll be grateful for it when when they're older for sure. Uh, but thank you, Kim Sunderman. You're a blessing to the GRN. So say a prayer for Kim and her family today. Uh, thank you, Kim. Oh, God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. God take care. Okay. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Uh, joining uh, Join us in the after show. We're going to be going off. You can find our social media feeds on our uh, webpage, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, where you can find the links to all of our webpages. So join us in the after show if you want to join in the conversation for the next 30 minutes. If not... You can see us on Monday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the GRN. I'll see you next week. God and bless you. God love you. A surprise for you on Monday. And a surprise for you on Monday. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to Holy Mass and coming from the chapel of Our Lady of Corpus Christi, home of the Salt community. For more information, please visit salt.net. 
Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Blaise, Bishop and Martyr. This Mass is offered for the intentions of our online viewers and for those listening through Guadalupe Radio. God, Father, praise and glory Thy children bring to Thee Thy grace and peace to mankind Shall now forever be O most holy Trinity Undivided unity Holy God, mighty God God immortal be adored In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with Today we celebrate the Feast of St. Blaise, who was Bishop of Sebastian in Armenia in the 4th century. Before being martyred in the year 316, he is said to have healed a boy who was choking. Since the 8th century, St. Blaise has been venerated as the patron of those who suffer from diseases of the throat. We pray in a special way today for protection from afflictions of the throat and from other illnesses. The blessing of St. Blaise is a sign of our faith in God's protection and love for us and for the sick. Brethren, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. You were sent to heal the contrite of heart. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. You came to call sinners. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. You are seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us. Forgive us our sins and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Let us pray. Hear, O Lord, the supplications your people make under the patronage of the martyr St. Blaise and grant that they may rejoice in peace in this present life and find help for life eternal. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect hospitality, for through it some have unknowingly entertained angels. Be mindful of prisoners, as if sharing their imprisonment, and of the ill-treated as of yourselves, for you also are in the body. Let marriage be honored among all, and the marriage bed be kept undefiled, for God will judge the immoral and adulterers. Let your life be free from love of money, but be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never forsake you or abandon you. Thus we may say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, and I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The word of the Lord. The Lord is my light and my salvation. 
The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is my life's refuge. Of whom should I be afraid? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Though an army encamp against me, my heart will not fear. The war be waged upon me, even then will I trust. The Lord is my light and my salvation. For he will hide me in his abode in the day of trouble. He will conceal me in the shelter of his tent. He will set me high upon a rock. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Your presence, O Lord, I seek. Hide not your face from me. Do not in anger repel your servant. You are my helper. Cast me not off. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Blessed are they who have kept the word with a generous heart and yield a harvest through perseverance. Alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. King Herod heard about Jesus, for his fame had become widespread. And people were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why mighty powers are at work in him. Others were saying, He is Elijah. Still others, He is a prophet like any of the prophets. But when Herod learned of it, he said, It is John whom I beheaded. He has been raised up. Herod was the one who had John arrested and bound in prison on account of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip, whom he had married. John had said to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Herodias harbored a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but was unable to do so. Herod feared John, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man, and kept him in custody. When he heard him speak, he was very much perplexed, yet he liked to listen to him. Herodias had an opportunity one day when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers, his military officers, and the leading men of Galilee. His own daughter came in and performed a dance that delighted Herod and his guests. The king said to the girl, Ask of me whatever you wish, and I will grant it to you. He even swore many things to her. I will grant you whatever you ask of me, even to half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? Her mother replied, The head of John the Baptist. The girl hurried back to the king's presence and made her request. I want you to give me at once on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was deeply distressed, but because of his oaths and the guests, he did not wish to break his word to her. So he promptly dispatched an executioner with orders to bring back his head. He went off and beheaded him in the prison. He brought in the head on a platter and gave it to the girl. The girl in turn gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. 
the gospel of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, in our first reading, we are coming near to the end of the letter to the Hebrews, which we have been reading through over these last four weeks. And we know that the writer has been encouraging people of the first century to stay true to the faith, even though their waiting for the second coming of Jesus has lasted longer than perhaps they expected and their lives continue, to stay firm. And the writer has urged them not to think they need to return to Judaism. He says, no, no. Jesus Christ is the eternal high priest, sinless but compassionate to sinners, eternal, not needing to be replaced by someone else. And he offered not the blood of, good, blood of goats or bulls, but his own blood. And he brought it not into the earthly copy of heaven in the temple, but into heaven itself. He's accomplished all this. And we've heard those urgings. So therefore, stay firm, stay faithful. Look to those examples of the heroes of the faith of the past. Imitate them. And now we come to the final chapter. And we hear in effect, we might reword it and say, on the basis of this, not only do you not need to be weary and fall, fall short, but you can live large. Now, of course, you might say, well, wait a second, Father, that expression doesn't mean what you're using it to mean. Well, this is true, right? In our world, in English, we say live large, we mean live in the way that a successful person, in a worldly way, a wealthy person lives, in a luxurious way. You know, taking things for yourself that only a wealthy person would be able to do. I'm using it in a different way. I'm saying, yes, you are wealthy with the spiritual wealth that Christ, the eternal high priest, has given to you. And therefore, give it generously. Live large. Because he has supplied you. And this is what we're hearing in today's reading. And so we hear... You don't need to live in a lustful way as if you need to take that way. No, honor and upbuild your marriage and other marriages. Live large, give and uphold the value and sanctity of marriage. Don't live in a way that takes money for yourself. You don't need that. Live large, be free. You have love to give. So it says, do not neglect hospitality. When you see someone who's alone and a stranger, help them, welcome them in. Be mindful of prisoners. Be mindful of the ill-treated. Look for those who are in need and give to them. You can live large because of what Christ has given to you. For he has said, I will never forsake you or abandon you. We may say, the Lord is my helper and I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you and I can live large because we have much to give. And you might say, Father, what do I have to give? How can I know what it is? I have a few suggestions for you and how you may discover this and live it out. Things you can look up online. The first of them is a program for discovering spiritual gifts through the Catherine of Siena Institute. You can look them up at Siena.org. Siena spelled with one N. Siena.org. When you're there, look for called and gifted. You look for their in-person workshops that they hold, or also ways in which you can study it on your own, either online or through print materials. Called and gifted at Siena.org. To learn about the spiritual gifts that Christ has given to you, 
What are they? How can you live them out to pass on the gifts that he has given to you, spiritual gifts to give to others? Something else you might want to look at is Salt's own Becoming Missionary Disciples program. Look at becomingmissionarydisciples.net. There you can read about the program and also find links so you can listen to or watch videos of the talks to help you to discover how to embrace more strongly your faith and live it out for those around you who need it. Finally, especially for the young people who might be listening or that you might know, you know that Salt's missionary volunteers are a very important part of the life of our community. You can go to salt.net, look for the links to volunteers or missionary volunteers to consider how young people of big, generous hearts can give of themselves as part of the SALT community. And in particular, we have this summer's Belize mission trip, 12 days, May-June. You can look salt.net slash mission trip. If you know a young person who's interested in that, act quickly because the deadline to apply is February 14th. Christ, our High Priest, has accomplished this sacrifice for us, seated at the right hand of the Father. You and I can live large because we have so much to give to a world in need. Let us now pray for those who are sick and suffering, for those who care for the sick, and for all who seek the blessings of good health. For all those who suffer from sickness and disease, that they may receive healing, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the mentally ill and for their families, that they may receive comfort, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those with physical disabilities, that the strength of Christ may invigorate them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For doctors and nurses, and for all who care for the sick, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those who seek the prayers of St. Blaise today, they may be protected from afflictions of the throat and other forms of illness, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We conclude this prayer of the faithful with the blessing of the throats through St. Blaise. Through the intercession of St. Blaise, Bishop and Martyr, may God deliver you from every disease of the throat and from every other illness. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. King of heaven, to his feet thy tribute bring, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, evermore his praises sing. Alleluia, alleluia, praise the everlasting King. Praise him for his grace and favor to his people in distress. Praise him still the same as ever, slow to chide and swift to bless. 
Alleluia, Alleluia, glorious in his faithfulness. Father, like he tends and spares us, well our feeble frame he knows. In his hand he gently bears us, rescues us from all our foes. Alleluia, Alleluia, widely yet his mercy flows. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and the glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Sanctify our offerings by your blessing, O Lord, we pray. And by your grace, may we be set afire with that flame of your love, through which St. Blaise overcame every bodily torment. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for the blood of your blessed martyr Blaise, poured out like Christ to glorify your name, shows forth your marvelous works, by which in our weakness you perfect your power, and on the feeble bestow strength to bear you witness through Christ our Lord. And so with the powers of heaven we worship you constantly on earth, and before your majesty without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Lenis Uncheli Etera, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna, you are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread, and giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, 
which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity together with Francis our Pope and Michael our Bishop and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. At the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On you stegegi, qui tolis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, agnus degegi, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis, agnus degegi, qui tolis peccata mundi, no, 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 no,
Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. For those who are unable to receive our Lord in Holy Communion, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The King of love, my shepherd is, whose goodness fails me never. I nothing lack if I am his, and he is mine forever. Where streams of living water flow, my ransomed soul he leadeth. And where the verdant pastures grow, with food celestial feeding. Perverse and foolish oft I strayed, but yet in love he sought me, and on his shoulder gently trod, and home rejoicing brought me. Let us pray. May the sacred mysteries of which we have partaken, O Lord, we pray, give us that determination which made your blessed martyr blaze, faithful in your service, and victorious in suffering. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. Sing of Mary, pure and lowly, Virgin Mother.
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. This is KSHJAM 1430 Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are 100% listener supported. And do you know what that means? This is your radio station. Thank you so much for your generous support. Catholic Connection.